Thank you very much indeed, Margaret. Well, welcome to our series on the Holy Spirit. And uh, hopefully you're here or listening online with the intention of finding out more about the third person of the Trinity today. And we're going to ask the question, who is the Holy Spirit? And we're also going to ask the sort of more current question of, is he like the force in Star Wars? So you can, you can hold on to that one as we go through. But let's pray as we begin the series. The ancient prayer, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Amen. So who then is the Holy Spirit? Well, we will say in the creed in a few moments that he is the Lord, the giver of life. And as you look through the scripture, you find that's a very good summary of who the Holy Spirit is. He is the Lord who brings life. He brings life firstly in nature. The Holy Spirit is the one responsible for bringing creation itself alive. The Holy Spirit brings creation alive. Psalm 104 verse 30 says, When you send forth your spirit, we are created, and you renew the face of the earth. But if you try to live without the Holy Spirit, the book of Job, chapter 34, 14, 15 says, that all flesh would perish and people would return to the dust. So when the Spirit goes out, we're created. If the Spirit wasn't there, we would become dust. We would cease to exist. In nature, then, the Holy Spirit brings life. He creates and sustains life. But he also brings life in the spiritual sense, in three different ways. Jesus says that we must be born of the Holy Spirit. That's a well-known passage to Nicodemus in John 3, 6-7. Also in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, the same thing. We must be born of the Spirit. And he said that it is the Spirit that brings spiritual life to us. John 6, 63, 2 Corinthians again, or Acts 10, 44 through 47. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings spiritual life to us. And we must be born again of the Holy Spirit if we're going to have the spiritual life Jesus brings. For Jesus, the Spirit is crucial. Jesus himself, secondly, was born of the Spirit when his mother conceived. How did she conceive? She conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have to be born of the Spirit. He was born literally of the Spirit at Mary's conception. And finally, the Holy Spirit will bring life spiritually again when Jesus comes back. It's the Holy Spirit, according to Romans 8 verse 11, who will bring life to our mortal bodies. If we happen to have passed away before Jesus' second coming, uh, maybe he'll come today, uh, maybe we won't pass away. But if we have passed away, it's the Holy Spirit who's going to come to our mortal bodies and bring them back to life to meet with Jesus at the second coming of Christ. So here we have the Lord, the giver of life. He brings life in nature. He creates. If you got rid of him, we would cease to exist. And he brings life in the spiritual through rebirth, bringing us spiritually alive, through Jesus's own conception, and through the fact that he will bring us back to life when Jesus comes again in power. Wow. Who is this Holy Spirit then, this Lord, the giver of life? How, How could you summarize what he is and who he is? According to Wayne Grudem, uh, a theologian, the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world 
and especially in the church. He's the one who makes it tangible in the world and in the church. He's God among us, close to us. But if you find that sentence a bit of a a tongue twister, Gordon Fee came up with a three-word summary of the Holy Spirit, probably the best definition of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I wonder if if you know it. God's empowering presence. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is God's empowering presence. Presence among us, bringing power to us to change things. He is God truly, and he is empowering, and he is present. His role is especially important now in the era that we live in, the era of the church. It was important in the Old Testament and in the Gospels, as we'll see, um, but especially now in the church. You might say, well, how come? Well, in the Old Testament, God's glory was sometimes apparent in other ways. Sometimes you would experience God's glory through theophanies and displays of God's glory. A theophany is when God turned up as an angel, um, like to Abraham or Jacob or Joshua, and, and they only afterwards realized that it was an encounter with God. Maybe you could say that was the second person of the Trinity turning up to them before Jesus was born. So God sometimes appeared in those sort of ways, or sometimes in just extraordinary displays of his glory, like with Moses, where his tent of meeting was overwhelmed by God, or the pillar of fire, or the cloud that accompanied him, or the glory that filled the temple in in Solomon's days. There were those moments of glory or theophanies uh, that were sometimes the way that God revealed himself in the Old Testament. It wouldn't necessarily be the Holy Spirit. And of course, in the Gospels, we have Jesus himself, the second person of the Trinity, walking around among us. But today, in the church era, it's the Holy Spirit who we primarily get to encounter and to deal with. He has been poured out upon all Christians. And if you uh, read Jesus' prayer in John's Gospel, you'll realize that we have got the best deal of all. We're better off than Jacob who wrestled with God. We're better off than Moses with his tent of meeting and his pillar of clouds. We're better off than the disciples who followed Jesus around Galilee. We have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into our hearts now. And that's the best deal. It was paid for and sealed by the cross and resurrection of Jesus. What else does the Holy Spirit do then? He's especially important to the church. Well, the second and key thing about him probably is that he completes and sustains what the Father has planned and the Son has begun. He's the one who gets the job done. (laughs) He completes and sustains what the Father's planned and the Son has begun. So, for example, in creation, God the Father, in the reading we had, speaks his action uh, out. He has his plans and he speaks them out through words. Let there be light. And there was light. That's Genesis, isn't it? We see in John's Gospel, John chapter 1, that the word of God is Jesus himself. So God speaks, let there be light. And his very speaking is Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. And Jesus, according to John's Gospel, uh, without him, uh, all things were created through him. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. God says, let there be light. Jesus is the one through whom everything's created. Without him, nothing could have been created. And yet the Holy Spirit's there, as Margaret read in Genesis 1-2, hovering over the waters and sustaining everything, as we saw in uh, Psalm 104, verse 30. 
So he's there in creation, completing and sustaining what the Father's planned and the Son has begun. But he's also there in the new creation. God sends Jesus. Jesus sends the Spirit. He and the Father send the Spirit together. And then the Spirit transforms us and is a deposit guaranteeing our ultimate inheritance and new life in heaven. We'll see it again in the course later on, but the Holy Spirit's uh, described as an engagement ring on our finger, guaranteeing that we're going to be with God forever. He completes the task. He's there with us, preventing us from slipping up too much. When we pray, lead us not into temptation. The Holy Spirit is there, triggering our conscience, saying, are you sure you need a glass of wine every evening? (laughs) Are you sure you need to stay up late? Are you sure you need these things? He's there triggering our conscience, keeping us safe, guaranteeing our inheritance and our new life in heaven. So he's a completer, he's a sustainer, he's very important for the church today. And throughout history, he's also been associated with blessings. The Holy Spirit brings blessings. I wonder if you would like to look at this passage in Isaiah 32, verses 14 through 18. Isaiah 32, 14, verse 18. It talks about a time when the palace is forsaken and a prosperous city is desolate, the, the city of Judah, after going far away from God. But then the Holy Spirit is poured out from on high. And this leads to, get a load of this, it leads to a wilderness becoming like a fruitful field. The fruitful field becoming like a forest. You've got to imagine a sort of rainforest, abundant rainforest. And everywhere you have, because of the Holy Spirit, there is justice and right living. There's peace There's quietness and there's trust forever. This is what the Holy Spirit brings. Peace, quietness, trust, fruitfulness, blessings. Every time we talk about a pouring out of the Holy Spirit, we're meaning that there's going to be a pouring out of blessings on people's lives. Isaiah 44 verse 3 says, I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. It's a good thing to get the Holy Spirit. So if you're hearing, ah, it's in about the Holy Spirit, not sure if I want it. You want it. It's blessing. It's good. It brings fruitfulness. It brings peace. It brings quietness. It brings trust. Do you want blessings? <laughs> Do you want peace? Do you want quietness? Do you want trust? You want the Holy Spirit. It's a great thing to be given the Holy Spirit. And uh, conversely, of course, if you grieve the Holy Spirit, it can lead to a loss of blessing. Isaiah 63.10 talks about rebelling and grieving the Holy Spirit, leading to a loss of blessings and even to God fighting against people. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want to work with the Holy Spirit. And over this series on Friday podcasts, Friday services, and throughout what we're looking at in Corinthians 12 to 14 on Sundays, we'll see that the blessings that the Spirit brings are fivefold. He empowers, he purifies He reveals God, he unifies people together in the love of God, and he's a tangible sign of just how much favor of God you happen to be living in at any one time. What does the Holy Spirit do in terms of bringing blessing? He empowers, he purifies, he reveals, he unifies, and he's a tangible sign of the favor of God we're living in. Empowering, purifying, revealing, unifying, and a sign of favor. On us, And we're going to pick up on that throughout the term. These amazing things the Holy Spirit does. So, big question then. Is the Holy Spirit like the force 
in Star Wars. So, the force in Star Wars. Some in it, strong in it, some are. <laughs> that was a bad impression, wasn't it? There you go. In, in Star Wars, you've got Yoda, Luke, Anakin, who becomes Darth Vader, Rey in the new film, and these and other characters are all strong in the force. Is that what we're after when we're talking about the Holy Spirit? In Star Wars, the force is seen as something sort of mystical, particularly in the 70s version of the films. It was almost a, a religious uh, thing. Uh, it was something that was everywhere, yet was also inspire, inside special people. But the force is impersonal. Impersonal. There's a light side to the force, and there's a dark side to the force. You might think of duct tape, you know, a light and a dark side to it. Those on the light side of the force are supposed to abandon emotion. They're supposed to be centered and driven by the movements of the force. And those on the dark side of the force depend greatly on emotion. They're fueled by emotion, but particularly the emotions of anger and hatred. Yoda rightfully tells Anakin that fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate, and hate leads to the dark side. The dark side is this alluring thing. It's filled with power, and it's a manipulation of the force. You can bend it to do your will rather than you doing the will of the force as the Jedis do. They also can feed the dark side of the force. The dark side of the force is emotionally driven. It feeds off your anger and your hatred. When the force was originally portrayed in in 77, uh, it was portrayed as something spiritual. Then in the 99 film, The Phantom Menace, it was told that the force is made up of midi-chlorians, tiny organisms that live in each person in the galaxy. And in the 2000 book, Vector Prime, it was shown that only those within the galaxy had the force. Those outside the galaxy from another galaxy did not have the force at all. And then in The Revenge of the Sith, Emperor Palpatine tells an impressionable young Anakin that the one, that one can manipulate the force in such a way to give life and to take it and to prolong it. Well, the Holy Spirit's not like that at all, is he? The Holy Spirit just isn't like that. He doesn't have a light side and a dark side. He's God. He works with our good emotions. He doesn't repress them. He doesn't require us to get rid of our emotions, to center down, to get rid of all our thoughts and just focus on him. No, he works with our emotions. He can bring joy and laughter. And he can also bring healing tears and repentance. He's not trying to bypass us. He's trying to give us the fullness of our humanity. He is a person and he is true God. The Holy Spirit's available to all. He's personable and he deals, dwells within us. And if you have ever called on the name of Jesus or invited him into your life and you can say that Jesus is Lord, then you already have the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. The Holy Spirit prays for us in groans that only God can understand. He is the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. He's active and real. He cannot be manipulated when people try to lie to him. He knows about it. He can't be uh, used for our own pleasure or purposes. He is. He just is as God is. And he's the third person of the Trinity. The force is not God. The Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is God himself and dwells with us personally. The Lord 
the giver of life, who creates all things and sustains all things. You don't need to be a Padawan Jedi trainee to encounter him and benefit from him. If you believe that Jesus is your Lord, you already have him in you. And if you exist on planet Earth, you're already being sustained by him and through him. If he did not exist, neither would you. (laughs) So as we begin the series then, we're not talking about a mystic force. We're not talking about what the Jedis do. We're not talking about a power that you can train in and learn to manipulate and manipulate you. We're talking about God himself, present, empowering, close to us, the giver of so many blessings. We're talking about the God that you want to know more and yearn to know more, who holds everything together by his powerful hands. That's the Holy Spirit. And that's who we invite into the church's life and teaching this season and pray that each of us will know the blessings of the Holy Spirit poured out on us again and again and again this season. So if you're coming to the beginning of this teaching season thinking, do I really want to know more about the Holy Spirit? And do I want more of the Holy Spirit? The answer is, yes, definitely learn more about him. There's so many great truths to find out about him. But secondly, yes, you do want more of the Holy Spirit. You want to be filled with this Holy Spirit again and again. Is he scary? Is he going to manipulate you? No, he's as good as God. (laughs) He's as good as God because he is God. You want more of him. You want to ask for more of him in your life. And the joy that comes from knowing him and walking closely with him is what the Christian life is all about. May God bless his word to us today. Amen.